0: You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear and my guest today is RC Victorino, Senior Manager of Content Marketing at Density, which is a company that helps businesses understand how people use their workplaces. RC, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Say a few words about Density. What does it mean that you guys help people understand how people use their workplaces. It's a good question. So our, our technology essentially answers the question, where are people actually
1: spending their time when they come to the office, which is a poignant mm. question right now as as our relationship with workplaces is changing, right? So it's no longer Monday through Friday, nine to five sort of instance. So people are trying to understand how best to invest and to optimize this major line item in their budget, right? Their their physical spaces and how to make sure that men are trying to mandate and force people back into their workplaces, but they're creating experiences that that make people want to come. Because by nature and by surveys and by all sorts of feedback and input, people want to come to the office. They just may not necessarily want to come every single day. But they want to collaborate with people. They want to socialize. You know, the, the allure of work from home is waning off for many people, especially those who don't necessarily have a great working environment at home. So our sensors are anonymous by source. So you can understand how people are using spaces and figure out, like, what are they doing, when they're how much time they're spending in a meeting room, in a huddle space, et cetera. And you can start making decisions based on that to make better experiences for
0: employees and for the company as well. Okay. Wow. That's cool. That's a very much of the moment. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Okay. So let's dive into our topic today. And, you know, for a long while now, there's been a lot of discussion around marketing and sales alignment, which makes good sense. What we're going to talk about is something related, but a little bit different, which is alignment between marketing and customer support. Which yeah. is something that I, I don't think gets talked about nearly as much. And so let's just start right there. In your mind, what is the value of collaborating with customer support if you're a marketer? And, and just to be clear, we're not talking, this is not either sales or customer support, right? It's probably both, as well as collaborating with other functions. Why also should you be forging relationships with the folks in customer support? What's the value there? Well, so customers hold the secret to understanding
1: what works and what doesn't about the product, right? They peel back the curtain on the mindset of, of who we as content marketers are trying to attract, engage with, and essentially convert from prospects into customers. They've done it. They've, they've done the work for us, right? So we need to reverse engineer and figure out like how they get to there, because our job is then, then make that be explicitly available to other people as well. So no one has a better understanding of or connection with, your customer, then I would imagine your CS
0: team, which is why I think it's so valuable to really partner up with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what, what can that look like? What does it look like to partner with the customer support? So there's here at density there's
1: a couple of different ways that I do this. So in an ideal world, you are having, you're actually getting to go on customer conversations with CS teams. And why that's an ideal world is because we all as human beings, it's, it's a game of like, we all as human beings kind of filter and alter our word choice and paraphrase things. So someone from the CS team might be talking about something that the customer said, but they might be changing some of the language. And I, as a con- they don't realize that I as a content marketer, that language, that literally exact verbiage is really important for me, not just from like potentially a search traffic sort of element where, you know, if you think something, you usually probably search it like that. But also in a subatomic sort of like when I'm reading something and I see something on paper that matches this internal dialogue in my head, I think to myself, well, they get me. I understand this. Like, I, I'm with you here. So I need that exact verbiage, right? So the ideal scenario is that I am on calls with customers whenever possible because then I can also ask some questions to the customers as well that the CS team might not. But that's not scalable and nor is that necessarily the most ideal. You know, customers have CS team and customers have a very good relationship and you don't want to violate that with marketers tend to have a certain sort of vibe with customers perhaps they like want to back away from the marketers right and so like Mm -hmm. i respect that so there's other ways to do that with with tooling we use catalyst here density which is where the customer the cs team kind of like documents their conversations so we use that but then again that's a filter where some things might be paraphrased and we might lose some of the, some natural conversations and cadences. So the other thing that I would say is, is listen to recorded calls often. We use Gong and Gong is a fantastic tool because you Mm -hmm. can search through things as well. I would say that in addition to podcasts, of course, Gong should be a regular audio treat for content marketers, a hundred percent, whether it be with sales Mm -hmm. and customers or CS and customers, for sure. The amount of information that I gather from Gong recordings is, is invaluable for sure. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, just honestly, like it's really important to have a rapport with the CS team. So like it's great that I can do all this stuff like async and a scalable nature, but like these are human beings on the other end. So it's really important. Like we use donut here. I don't know if you know know what donut is via Slack where like it just randomly pairs you up with other people across the organization and you can just spend 25, 30 minutes chit-chatting about work if you want. That's a huge tool for us. I've met a lot of my CS team and gotten to know them better, but certainly just like, you know, commenting on on when they post something on Slack and just saying, like, you know, that's great. Thing can I follow up with you on that? Just making sure that, like, especially if you're on a, in a distributed workforce, making sure that you're having conversations with these people beyond just the ask is really important because then they're more willing to and to think about you in these instances mm-hmm. and more willing yeah. to like trust you to then be invited to this very sacred relationship, right? It's yeah. really sacred.
0: Yeah. So Okay. So real quick, you mentioned Donut. I have not heard of that before. Just real quick for listeners who might be like, wait, what is that? What is Donut? Just to say so a it's, like words.
1: A, it's like a Slack bot machine, essentially. You can install that into Slack and it will pair you up randomly each week or however you can set it up with whatever parameters you want to. But let's just say it's like, let's say once a week, you're randomly paired up with someone else across the organization. And it just says like, hey, here's some times that it'll look at your Google Calendar, for example. But like here's some times you have free together, like, how about you schedule time together and you just chit chat and then it just yeah. becomes an event on your calendar. And then like, there's no pressure. Like it's called donut because in theory, like you, you can like expense a donut or a coffee and you're, like you're having, having a coffee with someone, but mm-hmm.
0: you know,
1: remotely. So yeah, just a moment to just kind of sit back and relax and really get to know, especially as teams scale and grow, it, it's, it becomes really harder. Like I've been on this team for a couple of years now and it's certainly like significantly larger now than it was two years ago. So now it's no longer realistic for me to know every single human being and interact with them on a regular basis. So, Donut, like it's it's mind boggling that I'm still paired with people on Donut that I'm like, wow, I've never really actually spoken with this person before. Mm. Yet, okay. as a content marketer, again, then as being like this is an audience of content marketers, like in reality, part of our job is internal journalists, right? Like we are looking yeah. for subject matter experts across the organization, even the more the more we can discover that SME that like we never even thought of before, the better our content is. And so these donuts are really, so if you don't have a donut at your organization, be the, be the one, the evangelist who actually brings it in because it would actually help you do your job even better.
0: Wow. Okay. That's cool. I like how you put that an internal journalist. I think that's exactly right. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Sounds like a cool tool. Okay. And anyway, so I want to sort of play devil's advocate for a second. And so some people might think, well, look, it, we understand why you need to collaborate with sales, right? Because you're both focused on the prospect and converting the prospect into the customer, right? But a customer, once they're in, you know, customer support, they're handling that. Why is that? Would, how, how is that just as valuable as just focusing all your time on the prospects right the customer is already in you already got them so you know why does it make sense to like what are what are you learning from these conversations with customers that's useful to you or that you're not already getting from prospects and again i'm playing devil's advocate just to just to kind of push it a little bit
1: i think that if I were to use an analogy, and, and, and my soccer-loving self will be sad that I'm using the American football version of it, but I'll use an American football analogy instead. The customer that's converted and is actually actively using your product is like the end zone, right? And once you know where that end zone is, then you can figure out the plays to march down the field the right way, right? Like if you don't know what the end zone is, if you don't know what the end point is, then how do you know that you're marching toward that? So yes, like sales helps you understand like some of the objections that some of these prospects are having. But these, if a prospect is having an objection, but that prospect never becomes a customer, is that objection really something you should prioritize? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you're able to understand how customers got to that end result, then you can march down the field, knowing that you're going toward the right direction. And the CS team and customers are the ones that are making sure that you understand the direction that you're going to. And a couple of examples from like phone calls, like general phone calls that a CS and customer might have together, like a conversation might be like, for example, like customer says to Jamie, your CS team, like Jamie, like I just wanted to let you know, like it was unbelievable when I discovered like this little cool thing about product X. Well, that's really important. Okay, great. Like, I w- yes, I can create a bottom of the funnel content thing where I showcase this really cool feature thing, but also like what is the problem and challenge that this little cool feature overcomes? That's now starting to let me do this kind of content that's a little bit earlier on in the funnel and start talking to people much early before they even think about product or feature X. And they're just thinking about like problem Y. Another example, for example, is like, you know, Alex, I have to be honest with you. Like, I just really can't understand like how or why I'd use this feature Y. Fantastic. Like we've invested a lot into this feature and like it's not going anywhere. So we got to figure out like how to educate people better and so that they become better customers as well because we want them to be able to be power users eventually, right? So all all this information is giving us the – the ability to be a much better service to both prospects and men to also customers. Cause part of it as a content marketer, at least here at density, but I've imagined a lot of B2B as well. It's not just acquisition of new customers. It's also expanding and retaining your customers. Mm, yeah, Of course. So, so you got to play that part of that role as well, right? So the customers are, of course are a beautiful resource to make sure that you're keeping them happy and also ensuring that like you're figuring out what else do they need to get more of the product or, extend or whatever it may be that it is for your particular
0: business case. Okay. That's a really good answer. Yeah. I think you thoroughly answered that question. (laughs) So, 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 well, let's talk about content then. And I think you already started talking about this a little bit and what you were just saying, but you know, how does, uh, how does learning from customer support help you and your team create better content? Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll I'll give you two specific examples of recent examples that we've had that that can indicate how, how other teams might use that. So I, I mentioned this, I think, a little bit before, but basically, like, if you can create content that aligns with someone's internal dialogue, not only does that help with, with search ranking eventually, perhaps, maybe not now, but maybe in a year from now or whatever it may be, but also, like, you know, in the scrolls on LinkedIn, as they're scrolling through search results, they see a word or a phrase that matches what they've been thinking, they're like, aha, let me, let me, let me click in on that, Right. So during the conversation with my CS team, I had with multiple customers, and this is key here, multiple, not just one, but multiple customers, a phrase kept on kind of sticking out to me that I was not familiar with. And it was a phrase that they dropped called me and we spaces. And a few of them, like, I'd say it was like three or four different customers who don't really necessarily know each other, use this term me and we spaces. They use it very casually as if it was just like a thing for them. This was brand new information, to me and I think a few other people. And for laymen from the industry, me and we spaces is essentially like, We spaces would be meeting rooms and conference rooms and things like that where you're getting together with other people. And so that's a specific intent. And there's a specific way to measure success of that. There's a specific like occupancy expectation you might have for that, et cetera. Whereas me spaces are like workstations or phone booths and other things like that. And so they're using this term and like we've used like collaborative spaces. We've used meeting spaces. We've used things like that, right? Or heads down spaces as well we've used. But that idea of me versus we or me and we spaces and figuring out the right balance that was what they were trying to figure out. What is the right balance of me and We Spaces in my in my workplace? So we created content on that. So we literally dedicated a piece of article on that called creating the right mix of me versus we spaces. Mm-hmm. And from that, we've been able to repurpose that into a bunch of different types of assets as well and make that be part of our content in general. Another example is that like I think it's important for us to realize that like the more that we can turn our readers into heroes, the more affected we are as content marketers, right? So during another conversation that one of my customers had had was with a CS team. They just kind of dropped a comment about like how they were testing a new sort of experience on basically it was like they were creating a conference room experience without the room. And this was really timely at the time, which is about like a year and a half ago or so, because as I mentioned earlier, people want to come back to the office to collaborate and socialize, but certainly again right now, but a year and a half ago, it was still very uncomfortable being in closed spaces, right? Like, If you remember the term bubble like people were very uncomfortable inviting other people outside of their bubble their pandemic bubble so this particular workplace leader like figured out a way to create like this conference room experience with the table but put it in a much more public setting so it wasn't an enclosed space i thought that was just genius and so i heard that during a gong call i'm like well this is fantastic so i got permission for from the cs team to reach out to this particular customer and we created content with him as the hero essentially not only did he obviously share this piece of content because we, we showcased how brilliant he was, and it was a it was very timely sort of solution for a problem that they were all facing in the industry. But people like this was a piece of this was basically proprietary content that we could produce for people. Like it wasn't something you found on Google, mm-hmm. like this is the solution for a pandemic issue, whatever it may be. This is a brand new thing that all of our readers would want to know about. And whether or not they implement it, who knows, but at least they get inspired by it. And again, mm-hmm. like this piece of content, not only was it just a dedicated article, but it became part of a larger asset piece about how to rethink your collaborative or we spaces. And so that became a centerpiece of that as well, in addition to other things from customers as
0: well. So ton of stuff you can get if you just want to listen. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are some really interesting examples. And I think it underscores the value of kind of thinking like a journalist, like you were saying before. And Maybe we can expand it a bit. You're not just an internal journalist. Like you, there are different beats. One might be internally your own subject matter experts. Another is customers, right? Yeah. Another is prospects, sales, right? But clearly listening in on these calls alerted you to types of language, phrases, ideas that chances are otherwise you, you might never have come across. Or not in the same way. And, and, that, and that those kind of things kind of sound like marketing gold. I mean, the kind yeah. of thing that would be pretty hard on your own internally in a team just to kind of come up with. And instead you're hearing directly from the very people who are who chose to work with your company and this is how they think and this is the language they use. Like what could be better than that?
1: Exactly right. I think the biggest challenge is finding the time for this. And I think one of the best mm-hmm. ways to do this is to like, start small and like try to find early, early little wins. Like so even if if a takeaway is just a quote card on LinkedIn that you share or something mm. like that or, or a stat or whatever it may be versus like a big long form piece of content or whatever. Like the more you start small, I think from these little wins, so you, let's say you take like a half an hour once or twice a week and just listen to conversations and like pull something out quickly. I think just like from a from an internal standpoint like that'll make you feel good that you're actually producing something right you're not just like taking up time to like to listen to stuff that may or may not come out so so you're having a small win but also for whatever stakeholder might be involved that is concerned about what kind of time you're committing to this like you are producing something which will then maybe buy you some time to like really dig in and invest like a couple hours each week to like just absorbing this information figuring out like understanding like some of the stuff might just not be anything yet and you're just going to bucket it away into like yeah. a category or a topic, or whatever, then it might grow and fester into something beautiful at some point. I think it is a good way to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you already kind of answered my next question, which is going to be for marketing teams that hear this and they're like, yeah, this is a really good idea. We, we need to start working with customer service. You know, how, how should they get going? And I, I think you, you made a very good suggestion there. Like just start small, you know, yeah. small wins. And that's a great way to, to get, go down that path. Yeah, I think
1: one more tip would be, and we're doing this right now at Density, is
0: to see if the CS team can can create
1: like a verified outcome database, and whether or not this is anonymous or actually sourced is is I mean B two B it can be difficult to, to not get anonymized information anyway, but like verified outcomes essentially like if the CS team is is has like a set of like outcomes they want to deliver to customers, if they document those outcomes, so like you know so and so customer said that like that this feature solved this problem, and they create you create a documentation of that. Like those are easy wins for you to basically figure out like anything really
0: social posts, blog posts, yeah, anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Well, really interesting conversation. RC, how can folks connect with you if they want to, if they have questions, if they want to continue the conversation?
1: I am on LinkedIn, I'm definitely active on LinkedIn. You can just find me on RC Victorino. That's really easily discoverable there. And I'm definitely very active there. And then, yeah, if you, can, if you want to go to density.io, that's where our content lives
0: and where Density lives as well. And, and you can reach out via any of the links on there as well. Okay, great. Well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes and to Density, make it easier for the, for the listeners. And well, meanwhile, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this conversation. A lot to chew on, a lot to think about. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's c-o-n-n-versa.com.